Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Down in AEW again. It's that time of the week, and we have a new Intercontinental Champion. Is it going to make a lick of difference? I have absolutely no idea, but we will see. If you want to have your opinions on the Intercontinental Championship and SmackDown and Rampage read out for that matter, you can send in your Ultra Chats. Everyone that is more than five US dollars will be read out on this show before the end, and it will be sent in to WrestleTalk.com forward slash support. So make sure you get those in before the end of the show if you want your comments read out. Lori, Blake, do you care about the Intercontinental Championship? Do I care about it? Do I do care about care SmackDown? About is probably the bigger question. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, not massively, not massive. I think I think the thing with this is like so. Th- this comes out of uh, Gun- I keep wanting to call him Walter because his name is Walter, but Gunther beat Ricochet right on SmackDown this week, pretty convincingly. It was actually it was a pretty yeah. good match. I thought actually it was a good match. like it had it had a lot of like kind of old school NXT vibes for me. Um, but we had that. Uh, yeah, he wins. I think I think it works. I think this is this is what could make that title important. That title has just been floating around for ages. It's missed so many pay per views in the last year, two years yeah. of time. Like Shinsuke Nakamura just had it for ages, and nothing happened with it. Um, Ricochet gets it and, and gets a little bit out of it, but not a huge deal. And I feel like Gunther could be really the person to, to actually like make that feel important again. And I think also it, it gives him some legitimacy as well. Like. This is somebody who's actually on the rise in WWE in terms of like he's obviously he's been knocking around for ages. He was sort of he was in NXT UK for so long that I think realistically, despite the fact that he had this kind of mystique about him, there was no momentum with Walter. He was just down in NXT UK existing, being an absolute beast and a boss, but no one knew about him. And there's now he's kind of been repackaged on SmackDown and he he has that feel of something quite special, I think. Um and I think putting the Intercontinental title on him, if they want to keep featuring him, is a really, really good shout. I, I think it's the best decision that they've made for a long time regarding that belt, to be perfectly honest with you. Right. I more or less feel the same way. I don't necessarily feel like it has to have been that way, because just as much that they could get whatever they want to get out of the Intercontinental Championship right now with Walter, Gunther, whatever you want to call him, I feel like they could have gotten that same amount out of Ricochet. They just don't really let ricochet wrestle his exciting style as much 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's really hard to get invested in a ricochet match when he's going to do one flip and the match is against Shanky. So I don't know that the Intercontinental Championship is going to feel that important in a match like this, but it's very hard to not make Walter feel important. And I think Inter- the Intercontinental Championship is just going to feel important kind of by proxy. You know, that same way that the United States Championship felt, felt important when John Cena had it. And that mm. was his big run with the U.S. title. And as soon as he lost that title, like the title just kind of stopped meaning as much. I'm hoping that that isn't the case with the Intercontinental Championship. But at the same time, it's the Intercontinental Championship. And I feel like we've kind of been beating this drum for like 30 years at this point. I don't yeah. know that there's much that can be done with it. But I think that if you want to have like, I feel like most of the things on this show right now are, I look at them as ways to get on the show. Like here, the Intercontinental Championship is a free get on SmackDown every week. Mm-hmm. And if you're going especially to assign with Roman that Reigns to some, not around at all, <laughs> especially without <laughs> Roman Reigns at the table right now. But if you want to hand out that card, like your here is your free get on SmackDown every week card. I don't think there are many people I would rather see that card in the hands of than Walter. Yeah, and I, I think you're completely right about it. Make him making the belt special because, like, like you said about Ricochet, like I think Ricochet is a, is a fantastic performer, and they, they never use him to his full potential. But Ricochet is someone who you can conceivably see being beaten for the Intercontinental title on any old SmackDown right. any day of the week. Gunther having the belt feels like you can really build big feuds around the Intercontinental title and have big pay-per-view payoffs to it where people will come really close to toppling him and they just come up short. And then you bring the next person in and then have them go up against him. And in the meantime, you just have little showcase matches for him, squashes and all that kind of stuff. He's someone who feels like a final boss to hold a belt. And that is kind of what you want from a champion. You want them to feel like earning the opportunity against them is special. And I think Gunther is exactly that person. I think that's a really interesting way to like put it. Cause I hadn't really been looking at it like that specifically, but you're absolutely right in that sense. And I think that Walter will, I'm just going to keep all calling him Walter. I don't care at this point. I'm, co- I'm committed to the bit. I'm, I'm having to, to tell bit. myself it's good for every time. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you're right in that it makes the intercontinental championship a bigger prize to be won because mm-hmm. beating Beating Walter is no small accomplishment, and it's not something that's going to be done every week. It will probably be done once, and then I would imagine he'll probably be transferred over to the world title program. But that is a big difference from, like, Shinsuke Nakamura, who holds the belt and maybe defends it and and maybe wins matches while he's champion. Who knows? Now I have a firm belief that the holder of the Intercontinental Championship will be winning matches just consistently mm-hmm. and strongly and being presented well. And that is not something I can say about a lot of intercontinental champions that have come through over the last like 10 years. Very, very few of them have had good presentation as champion. And I think Walter can be the difference here. Now I want to ask you about like the match itself mm-hmm. because the match to me, I have, I feel a couple of different ways about it. If you would put Ricochet versus Walter on like, the main event of an OTT show or something like that, this would probably be like a match of the year candidate, I would imagine. And it would look nothing like the match that we got here. Now, 
I say that, and I don't necessarily think that that's like a bad thing because this is a TV match. I don't think that this should have been necessarily like a 20-minute classic. I think that Walter should have a pretty dominant victory, and I think that that is okay, and I think it's a pretty good example of like a TV match being okay on TV, if that makes sense. Like yeah, didn't I think it would be the big pay-per-view main event quality match, but it well, served was, its there... purpose for what the quality it was. There was nothing really going into it, you know. Right. There, there, there was no real animosity between the two beyond the kind of there's the belt on the line. Yeah. That's it, you know. Like I would love to see this spiral out into Ricochet goes off for a bit and comes back for the IC title, and then they have the 20 minute pay per view match worthy right. of the two people who were there. But I thought they both managed to get enough of their stuff into this match to make it feel interesting and make you make you kind of hungry to see uh, Ricochet versus Walter in a more kind of long form pay per view style match at some point down the line. Like I, I really do think, even though as soon as I saw the billing, I was like, okay, well, Walter's winning the title here. Brilliant. I was at least able to suspend my disbelief enough to believe that Ricochet was there was a there was a slim outside chance that he was going to pull through and win the match and I think they both did a fantastic job of telling that story through this and I think yeah like offensively it all worked really well like this this you know Walter's whole thing is that he just chucks people about and he slaps the absolute crap out of them and Ricochet because he's so nimble was just able to anytime Walter got his hands on him to wriggle out of it and flip out of pretty much any maneuver but it was the chops and the and the lariats and that sort of stuff that just toppled ricochet every time he was building momentum walter was the brick wall stood right in front of him i thought it was really i thought it was really well done to be fair i thought a lot of the matches on this smackdown were actually pretty damn good Mm -hmm. yeah i i found myself by the end of smackdown just being like well damn there were a few good matches on there wasn't there this wasn't just like one of those throwaway episodes that we can just be like yeah nothing happened we forget about it just like no there's actually actually some good stuff on here not not as much to complain about as to the pacing or whatever that we'll get to but i thought this was a good addition to the show i'm now having seen the match a little bit perplexed that this wasn't on hell in a cell mm. you know like if if they wanted to have like a 20 minute pay-per-view match i could maybe understand that killing the flow of the show a little bit and maybe they'd worry that that would take heat off of the main event or something like well before the injury maybe but this was like a solid match that I think would have slotted into Hell in a Cell just fine. And I don't think it would have stolen the show or it wouldn't have killed the show or anything. I'm just like, why was this not a pay-per-view match? It would have made it the Because inter- it's I the guess. Intercontinental it's title, your- Tempest, and they don't put that on shows. <laughs> but why not? We could change well, that. I, thought, I think that's the thing. I think that hopefully this is going to be the case. And I think, like you yeah. said, it's this... I think it hopefully changes the trajectory of the Intercontinental title for a lot of performers as well. Like, I think the thing with Walter is, like you said, Walter's going to win this, and this is a stepping stone for him. When Walter loses this belt, Walter is going into the main event scene. Every other person, really, who wins the Intercontinental title, as soon as they lose that, they go into the tag division, which, as we all know, is basically the the swirling vortex that leads to the plug hole. And if you don't get into the tag division, you're going to the twenty four seven title picture, which yeah. is even worse. But that is that is basically what happens to most other people. They just get paired with somebody random. They go into some random feud. It doesn't matter. Hopefully, with Walter winning this, and then if he steps through into the kind of into the top title scene, that sets up a path for other people to follow 
in the future. And hopefully that just trains. I think the way WWE book things is like, they're just like, well, that just worked just last week. So we'll do that now again as much <laughs> as possible. So if it works with Walter, they'll just try it with the next person, the next person, the next yeah. person. And you've got this brilliant so. ability to build people up against him. Yeah. I think, I yeah, I think you're right. You know, I think, I think that this will be a, a real opportunity to both build up Walter and the Intercontinental Championship, because to me, the Intercontinental Championship has really just kind of been like, a chair in a, in a big game of musical chairs where when the music stops, okay, maybe you lose the chair that was the Intercontinental mm-hmm. Championship, but you just go and find another chair. You just go and find a, a new rival or a new program or something like that. But it's very rare that you will see someone like stop playing that game of musical chairs and go over and play a different game, which is then, you know, the game that the actual main event players are, are playing, you know, and I hope very much hope that that is what happens with Walter because I don't see that very often. Yeah, WWE always try. I think WWE always just treats the Intercontinental title title as if it was an exclamation mark rather than a sentence. <laughs> like, do you know what right. I mean? You have a sentence yeah. where it's like, "This is the match," and then they just go, "And the IC title is on the line, and mm. it's going to change." Rather than being like, "The Intercontinental title scene is the main thing, and then who's doing it is kind of supplementary to that." Um, yeah, I like. I, I, I think I like this. I like this. I think it was. I think this is a good choice. I don't know whether it, it you know, it's the Intercontinental title, so it could be right. absolutely meaningless. But uh, yeah, I, I, I really hope that this does something at least. Well, we can hope. Who knows? Man. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? We can hope. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. 
we'll get into some of your ultra chats now and hear what you have to think about the Intercontinental Championship and, and Walter and SmackDown and all that good stuff. So if you want your comments right out before the end of the show, make sure you send them in. All, all that will be sent in, uh, five US dollars and up. The WrestleTalk.com forward slash support will be right up before the end of the show. Like this one from Hannah Winter saying, hey, Laurie and Tempest, good to see Walter win. I find it so funny every time I hear his name, especially with the U.S. pronunciation. This tough SOB has the same name as the wimp from the Beano. If the name change was flipped, <laughs> people would be mocking it too. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I disagree personally, but I want to see I, you know, I, I, I've had a lot of, of folks in the last six months say that Gold, uh, Gunther from Walter is a, a lateral move, but mm. personally, I, I disagree. I think Walter is a, is a better fit for him, and maybe that's just because I saw it first, but I feel like when you look at him, I'm like, yeah, that's, that's Walter, you know, just a big Austrian man that's going to chop me, mm. and his name is Walter. I think Gunther's got more of a it's it's more threatening than Walter. But I liked I liked Walter. It was Yeah. Unique. Gunther almost... Gunther feels cheap. Gunther feels like right. what's your, what's right. the first Germanic name that you can think of? That's the Manufactured. one. Manufactured. Yeah. Oh wait, what's the other one you can think of? Ludwig. Perfect. Yep. <laughs> Excellent. Our job liked... is done. <laughs> I liked the I liked the way it worked though where Walter didn't have it wasn't a threatening name. But he was like the mm. most threatening wrestler in the world. Like Walter is just the name of like your great uncle, you know. Just, mm. You know, it's just an old man name. But but then you've got this man who will kill you with his hands. And I I don't know. I like that. Uh, mm. I like that. I a feel lot. like Walter White was hiding pretty. Oh yeah. <laughs> hidden depths as well. So maybe it is yeah. a threatening name. Maybe it does maybe. herald the psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe. Uh, Charles Berg says, so sometimes I like to swap the first letter in wrestlers' names, first names and last names. My best friend does this with every name that you, every name that comes out of anyone's mouth, he does that. You know, if you say like Ludwig Kaiser, he'll be like, Ludwig Leiser. And you'll just say it quietly to himself and like all of us will just try and tune him out. But it's every name. Sorry, I went off on a, on a tangent here, but this is. This really hit home with me. <laughs> and he says he likes to swap the first letter of wrestlers first and last names. Last night on AEW, there was a wrestler named Matt Fitchett. So yeah, that's unfortunate. Also good for Walter, even though WWE gave him a very silly name. He likes to he still chops like Walter. Take care. You're right, he does still chop like Walter. And that is a very unfortunate one. But I like Matt Fitchett, and I uh I look forward to reviewing his match later in the show mm. i have things to say and finally before we get into the rest of smackdown the last ultra chat for right now uh from hector rodriguez says i know tempest has his youtube channel but hey Lori, do you have a little side project like a channel or is wrestle talk just your main thing at the moment just my main thing because it's tiring and i can't be bothered to do anything else <laughs> <laughs> when i get something when i when i get something i'll let you know but at the moment it's a lot of work so yeah there's a reason that I have not posted to my YouTube channel in a long time. It's because this job is, is a lot of work. It's more work than, than it looks. So, the rest of SmackDown. 
we had the opener, that being Drew McIntyre and Sheamus in a Money in the Bank qualifying match. And now when this match was announced, I was actually pretty excited because like, you know, it's Drew McIntyre and Sheamus. I've seen it a lot. It's not like a new match, but they typically wrestle well together. And it was a match that had stakes. Any match that is a qualifying match, I'm just immediately look, looking forward to because it makes me think mm -hmm. that the wrestlers will wrestle the match, making you want to believe that they want to win. And then we got this match where these two just, I guess, decided they didn't want to be in Money in the Bank that bad. <laughs> and, and as they were brawling on the outside, it was kind of becoming clear that they were focusing on the ref's count and he was getting higher and Seamus picks up a chair and Drew picks up a chair and they start swinging it at each other. And the ref just throws the whole match out. And at some point, they say that they got counted out. At some point, I want to believe this was a double disqualification because they were both swinging DQ chairs. Yeah. yeah, but with WWE, you never know. They might just call it a DQ and no contest and have no reason given. So both guys get DQ'd or counted out or they both lose. Neither man qualifies for money in the bank. And then afterwards, Drew McIntyre and Sheamus separately both walk into Adam Pierce's office and be like, well, you're going to put me in a match. And he's like, well, you, you didn't win. He's like, yeah, but you're going to put me in the match. And he's like, okay, but I've got a lot of things to process and I'll, I'll get back to you. Because there's always something to process during SmackDown. There's always yeah, something exactly. going Normally, on. Why aren't you watching the show? <laughs> That's the last time you want to be processing yeah, you should be, Again, you should be organizing things before the, the, the thing starts. <laughs> like, it was like when Kurt Angle was always on his phone when he was general yeah. manager. It's like, what are you doing now? He's texting his son. <laughs> and, yeah, you know what I mean? Oh, my God. It just drives me absolutely crazy. But apparently, Sonya Deville never let Adam Pierce in on the fact that all you need is a jacket, and then no one on the roster can touch you. So mm. maybe he just needs to put on the jacket before Drew and, and Sheamus come in the room next time. And this is – I hadn't even gotten into the bit where I'm totally perplexed by why the baby face – got himself like intentionally DQ'd or counted out or whatnot, and then was like intimidating the authority figure into giving him what he wants. Like I didn't, I didn't mind it. I didn't find it to be very babyface like if I'm being honest. True. I think but I think Drew is in a sort of fiery babyface era. He's in the kind of like and I think Seamus the Seamus thing it felt like an escalation, right? It felt like they both got lost in the they got lost in the competition rather than rather than in the prize. They got lost in the kind of like just being up the other man aspect of it. And because they, I think, because they've had such a sort of history over the last couple of years, I think it really worked as part of this kind of match. That, that you know, they they both started out going really hard on each other first of all, and then Drew turned uh, the beats of the Bodron around on Sheamus, which then caused Sheamus to do a future shock DDT, which then causes Drew to do an avalanche white noise. Like there was this kind of cascade of disrespect happening in the match as they both started to be like, well, I know you really well, but also I'm going to do, I'm going to use your own stuff against you. And then building up to that point where, you know, it kind of loses control completely and the two sort of smash mm. each other chairs and the brawl lasts through the break and all that kind of stuff. I liked it. I thought this is fun. It's a fun little wrinkle on the way to what feels like Drew McIntyre is in the Money in the Bank ladder match. It's something to do on would... TV, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. The The way that they got to it, to me, is is where I'm just kind of... I, I kind of lose it here because if, if this is the type of match where they're going to lose their minds and start swinging chairs at, at each other and everything. I feel like with their history, 
if again i don't want to look too far into wwe's logic and everything but if you mm. were looking at this you might think well, well this match could probably get out of hand you know these two don't like each other this will be this will be a rougher match than what else is on the show most likely and to me if i'm to compare this to other companies and such i feel like as an example like when they set up jeff hardy and darby allen in AEW on this most recent match where Dar Darby Allen jumped off the really tall ladder. They didn't set it up by having a match go to a DQ first. Mm. You know, they just kind of said like, yeah, this is probably going to get crazy. So let's just make this DQ and skip the, the nonsense. Now, of course, I wouldn't always recommend going just full no breaks on, on my wrestling show, but I do think it kind of like, I think it devalues this money in the bank qualifier just a little bit just to be like, Ah, I forgot about it. Ah, I lost track. You know, like I feel like you wouldn't do that in like a world title match. And mm. I know the world title match is more important than the money in the bank, but I want to feel like the qualifying match is a little bit more important than than that. And if they had just said, you know what, we're gonna do something special for this qualifying match, you two really don't like each other, just go have a, a no DQ match. No our qualifying match is no mm. DQ match, and they just hit each other with chairs. I think that would have like just given us the opportunity to skip over this double DQ non-finish match and just have the match they're probably going to have next week. But again, I didn't think it was like that bad. I just think it could have been a little bit like written a little bit tighter. I think it's funny though, because it's just, it's just got this, I don't know. There's just something about neither man backing out of hitting the other one with a chair, even though they mm. know that the rules would be like, no, that's, that's thrown out and being like, well, I'm not going to let him hit me with a chair. So I'm going to yeah. hit him with a chair first, and they both just do it at the same time. Like, I I liked it. I thought I I, I genuinely it is silly, mm. and I would I think in in something in something else as just a, as a pointless bit of elongation, I would you know in a world title feud I would probably find this kind of a pointless elongation right. of something, but because it's just for a thing that happens at a certain time of year anyway, and yes, the money in the bank match is important but it does just happen and people do just qualify yeah. for it without doing matches at all like That's this true. at least adds a nice little funny bit of story going in and that like if you can't use a non-tournament which it isn't a tournament you know this is there, there is no formal there is no formal right. way to get into the money in the bank match that you know some people just pick some people have to qualify there's all sorts going on with it generally speaking yeah. so like why why the hell not just be like yeah whatever we'll do a crazy story with Seamus and Drew um yeah. because gives you a chance to put Drew on TV more because the thing is if Drew qualified this week for money in the bank then what's he going to do for the next three weeks uh, I think you've had some things to do for sure but yeah I mean if this is just going to be like an extra week to you know, get to, to money in the bank. Like you've described not much all of wrestling booking there though, Tempest, yeah. haven't you? You find that something is, to do. That's all wrestling booking is. You go, yeah. this is what we want to happen. And then you, this is where we are. This is what we want to happen. And in the middle, we find some things to do because ultimately, yeah. how do you stop a fight from happening? <laughs> <laughs> that is the real question on all of wrestling, isn't it? It's what every referee wants to know. <laughs> so yes, of course, this match, uh, this match ended. This match ended. It did. Double DQ or no contest. Mm -hmm. Looking at live results, and it's just like this was ruled a no contest due to a double disqualification. I was like, how does that make sense? Is it yeah, is, is no contest or is it a double disqualification? Is what are the other? They mean it by a draw. They mean draw though, don't they? No yeah, this is what they mean. Yeah. But... 
Draws yeah. don't exist in WWE. Uh, yeah. But uh, regardless, we got uh, a lot of video packages and stuff. We got what I thought was a pretty decent little promo from uh, Lacey Evans before her match. Uh, with her match with Xylee, another Money in the Bank qualifying match. And this one did have a winner. Xylee mm-hmm. also cut a little promo. She called Lacey Evans a whiner. And then this was a fairly short match. Lacey Evans won with the women's right. She is a baby face. There was some debate over whether she'd be on Raw or SmackDown, whether she'd be a baby face or a heel. But mm-hmm. she was definitely a baby face in this presentation. And we'll see how long that lasts until they change yes. their mind. But she's qualified for Money in the Bank. I think that was pretty pretty much the clear the clear choice of of these two what well, yeah i mean it was the choice the wwe were always going to make it's yeah not, exactly not the more interesting choice zylee's no far more interesting performer to watch than lacey evans is but i i feel like fine I, like this i don't know there's something even more like i feel like when she was sort of the sassy southern belle she was sort of like uh woman out of time almost like we've we've just (laughs) transported this woman from the 1940s through time and been like now she's also a wrestler and now she doesn't even have that she's just what a bland character that is (laughs) well she's got a lot of trauma and that Mm. and that gains her sympathy and i think she's done well with her backstage promos at least yeah and again like yeah as i said when the backstage uh, little vignette promos of her telling her story started i think that they're really good i think that mm. alistair black's backstage vignettes were really good and they also led nowhere so i just like i vignettes are great but i need to see what kind of comes next and we haven't actually seen anything on the tv show just yet but yeah. i do think that she should be a baby face i'm not I'm not sure how oh, anyone thought that be. that was yeah, you... that was a heel character while they were doing those vignettes. Like, well, because oh. Black was, I guess. Like, and they, yeah, there's there is potential. The yeah. WWE always always needles in on these things and goes like, "Yep, we'll we'll twist that." Yeah, I maybe yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, this I say that <clears> this <throat> was like the 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 more accurate or better choice or whatever. I always say that because. Zia Lee, I believe this is her third match since her call-up. And her call-up was like last June mm-hmm. or last July yeah. or something like that. Like this, uh, this is not, be- she called up as a baby face too. Like Zia Lee had a bunch of like, I am a superhero and I'm going to help people. I am the great protector. The protector. Oh yeah, also yeah. I am I'm protecting no one. No one deserves my protection. Also, I'm a heel now. So like. Well, the, the debut of a babyface or heel new character is not set in stone whatsoever. So, yeah, we, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> we got uh, we got the aforementioned Drew McIntyre and Sheamus things with Adam Pierce. We got a video package highlighting coming soon the Viking Raiders, which was interesting to me. I wasn't aware that they had left. They're, just, they're on the show like fairly regularly. Mm, I feel like this was this was just this whole bit was mental because this was Ronda Rousey starts coming out for her uh-huh. entrance, right? Yeah. And then we go then it goes to commercial mid entrance. We then had the promo package for the Viking Raiders. We then see Sheamus go to Adam Pierce and talk about mm-hmm. wanting to be put in the money in the bank match. Ronda Rousey's still in the ring making her entrance. We then cut away <laughs> to uh, a reminder that uh, Natalia won the match to face Ronda Rousey at Money in the Bank. And then we come back to Ronda 
beginning to start her promo. And I mean, talk about anti-climax to be like, we spent five minutes being like, what will she say? And she's just like, my arm bar is very good. Natalia's <laughs> sharpshooter is not good. Here she's right. And then immediately Shotzi comes out. It's like, okay, cool. <laughs> I don't, I just don't, I do not understand putting these bits in no. like mid flow. Like it seems weird to like just, why doesn't, why doesn't Rousey just come out while these things are playing and then be like, Ronda's in the ring, she'll start speaking? Mm hmm. Yeah, because I think WWE hasn't got like I think WWE wants to have the pop on TV when someone's entrance music hits, and then they want to have them talk, and they're like, "But why are we wasting time showing them walking down a ramp? Best to cut away." Yeah, I I really like would like to know who is in charge of WWE's formatting. Mm -hmm. I don't know who that is. I don't know if that's a Kevin Dunn problem. I don't know if that's a Vince problem. I don't know if that's a Bruce Pritchard problem or what. But, like, this, this show gives me a migraine when I watch it. Because of exactly what you just said. Because it doesn't just stop there either. Ronda yeah. makes her entrance. And then they go through their promo package. And then they go to Sheamus. And then they go to commercial. And then they come back and they go to another promo package. And then another recap. And then they throw to the Natalia thing. Then they do the promo. Then she's interrupted. And then they're like, oh, let's do this match right now. Then they cut to another another commercial. They come back and they throw to more ad packages, more <laughs> videos. It was like yeah. a half hour before Ronda Rousey's match started from when she made her entrance. It wasn't that match, but it was like 20 minutes. It was a long, mm. long time. And man. Because you've also got to think about the fact that like people are there live. Like I know we're yeah. watching it on TV, but like People are there live and just being like, just listening to Ronda Rousey's. At least Ronda Rousey's music's good, but like it's you're just listening to that on loop over and over again. And then obviously she's just what she got to do in like in the ring while she waits for this all to happen. It's nuts. Oh. Um, I thought to be fair, I, I thought like the promo was weak. I don't think Ronda Rousey's not a yeah. good promo overall. Um, like, and she's taken up sort of being kind of casual. Ronda Rousey, mm. I think, as well with it. Like, she, I think before she was doing like mean face and that gruff voice and being like, "I'm gonna beat you up" and stuff, and doing like a like doing like a wrestler school version yeah. of wrestling. Um, and then she's sort of now adopted the kind of "I'm Ronda Rousey and I know I'm Ronda Rousey" attitude, and it's really made her promos feel quite flat and quite bland. I don't think they're particularly like they're not this. My arm bar's great, and your sharpshooter's yeah. bad. Is like, yeah, that story naturally evolves from the match anyway we didn't need it spelled out we didn't need it spelled yeah. out badly um so then when Shotzi comes out and she's doing a bit more of the kind of wrestler style promo it's you know it's at least an improvement on Rousey but once they actually got into the match I was like this is this is quite good I thought mm -hmm. like I, was, I was it was completely dead for me before they actually started wrestling but I thought the amount that Rousey gave to Shotzi here was really good um, mm. And I, I feel like Shotzi put on this kind of, it felt like the stakes mattered here because even though it was just a match to get a title shot, it was just a championship contenders match. Like Shotzi went after it like she really wanted it and was hyper aggressive, really focused in on like trying to take Rousey down her own game. 
it gets confusing when we get to the end and Natalia comes. So Shotzi spends an entire match working over Rousey's arm. So Rousey can't actively do the arm bar. And then um, Natalia comes in and locks in the sharpshooter after jumping Rousey when she gets the victory and then holds it for a long time. And then they're like, oh, Rousey's got an injured leg now. It's like, but she, her arm was already warmed up for you, man. Like, yep. what, like why, why, didn't, why wouldn't you have just communicated the, the, the idea that, like, what's going to happen at the end of the match is that Natalia is going to come out and attack Ronda Rousey's legs and back. So, Shotzi, mm. why don't you work the leg for the whole match? Because then <laughs> she's got, she got half an injury. She's now, like, double injured. Yeah, she's got two halves. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> two different injuries. Yeah, to me, I did not like the promo because it's Ronda Rousey promo. She's not very good at them. And they seem determined to get Ronda Rousey on this show with a microphone in her hand, like mm -hmm. all weeks possible. So I really just don't kind of understand why you couldn't announce Ronda Rousey versus Shotzi and then just go to the match. Like, I don't know why you need to do the promo beforehand, because it just makes the pacing of the show feel so muddled. We need the, the segment between two commercial breaks that is this promo, and then another one that's the match. Just do the match and have it be, like, long. Because the you other have to be issue reminded, that I... Tempest, that Natalia was yes. in the mix. Well, she's going to come out and she's going to do, do something. That. You can do that. The Natalia one is not the problem. It's the Seamus one. And it's the Viking Raiders for. one. Yeah, no. But the other bit about this that kind of stuck out to me was I find it very difficult to suspend my disbelief in a match like this when I saw Ronda beat Shotzi in a beat-the-clock match like a month ago in about 90 seconds. Mm. And, like, again, you can get away with something like that if you say, if you give her a reason to have lost in 90 seconds. Like, oh, like off my game i was distracted something else going on whatever i'm more focused i'm dedicated to come back i'm going to beat you for this championship but it was like no she just lost in 90 seconds because she's down here and she's facing ronda rousey who's up here and then they run the match back a month later and now mm. it's competitive and i'm just like well i i can't watch this show and think about it <laughs> If I think about this show, I will have like an aneurysm. So you just have to watch I, them in isolation, mate. Just forget about them every week and come back to it and just remember <laughs> the one you're watching. That's yeah. That's it. They yeah. all exist in a bubble. Yeah. yeah I think the thing I think the other thing is that this 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 match backfires, right? Like this yeah. I think this actual match being so competitive and then having Natalia come in and do the sharpshooter. One, I think there's a bit of a logical discrepancy between who's working over what bit. But two, I'm sitting there being like, well, I'd rather see Ronda and Shotzi go again longer yeah. and more competitive rather than seeing Natalia versus Ronda because that doesn't mm. feel... We've not seen as much of that. That that doesn't feel yeah. as kind of cohesive as this thing. This thing feels like it... This feels like it was just about to sort of get good and then... Ronda just went into Ronda mode and was like, I win now. <laughs> You've yeah. pushed the win button. And she just did like four <laughs> moves and was like, and now I've won. Um, yeah. And it was literally at the point where, the, yeah, there was this, there had been this kind of nice back and forth. And it, this that, that was a point like you feel like in a takeover match or a pay-per-view match where something just goes onto the next level and they find that next gear. 
Um, and obviously that was where it had to end because we'd also spent 20 minutes running adverts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yes, Natalia did come out and she locked in a sharpshooter on, on Ronda Rousey. It was your typical beatdown segment. That was fine. They'll, they'll have a match and it'll, it'll be fine. We got, uh, we got Riddle having a backstage interview with Megan Morant saying that he thrives under pressure and, Talk about doing it for Randy Orton, and I enjoy Riddle's promos. I thought this was good. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got the aforementioned Intercontinental Championship match with which Gunther won, and then we had Paul Heyman telling Sami Zayn that if he won his match with Riddle, he had the ammunition to welcome <coughs> Sami Zayn into the bloodline. That didn't happen, and that 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 was our main event. But before we got to the main event, of course, we had to make sure that you all knew the the real main event was recapped. <laughs> that being Mad Cat Moss and Baron Corbin having mm-hmm. their match again next week. You had you had to the main event was in the ring, but you had to recap Mad Cat Moss and Baron Corbin. You couldn't have made their one entrance week go by. One week go by without having Baron Corbin. So stupid. <laughs> it's so um, dumb. Yeah, so I mean dumb. and also like the fact that they were like, yeah, so they're gonna have, they're gonna come back and they're gonna have a last laugh match, and then Pat turns to Michael Cole and goes, "What's a last laugh match?" And Michael Cole goes, "I oh, know, <laughs> what is that yeah. like? Why announce the title of the match? Like it just it's just silly. We're gonna um, have a Nigerian drum fight. Yes, exactly. And then we'll never. They didn't even use the drums. This will be that, and then no one will laugh. Um, I, and this is the thing. Is like, yeah, it's. It takes the kind of, I think this is this is my issue with the, the kind of pacing stuff is that it, it ruins the kind of stakes of who's important, what is important. Like right. Ronda Rousey, the SmackDown Women's Champion, shouldn't be being interrupted in terms of going yeah. into and doing her promo because it removes the gravitas of like the champion coming out and getting the kind of pomp and ceremony of walking to the ring to say something important and then saying something important. You mm-hmm. kind of kill the momentum of that and you just join back with them being like, oh, they're going to talk now. So, yeah, we'll probably go back to that. And here, this 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 match ultimately, and I think they forgot it in the match as well, that this match had quite big stakes. You know, like if Sami Zayn wins this, uh, Paul Heyman is going to advocate for him to be in the bloodline, apparently. Obviously, it's manipulation. But if Riddle wins this, he gets a shot at the Undisputed Universal Champion next week. And if he loses it, he has to leave SmackDown. So, Which like, he's not is, on to begin with. Yeah, but this is, you know, this is, the, these are, but these are big stakes, stakes, right? They, these are huge stakes in terms of like where yeah. you can perform, what you can do, all that kind of stuff. And they just showed a recap of Moss and... Corbin and then and then in the match it, it only ever felt like it was it only really ever felt like it was about the title shot and not about Riddle's Riddle being able to be on SmackDown or you know mm. that just felt like something they just added in for no reason you know like that that second bit of the stipulation yeah. is just point a needless bit of flavor because actually it's just you either win and get the title shot or or Zayn wins and he gets to be in the bloodline. Like that's, yeah. there's already got two stakes. You've added a third one that feels like it's probably, it feels that's technically more important than the other ones. If you're going to get fired from something, like if you're going to get sent away from somewhere and you can't ever go back, like that, that's, right. that, that's a much bigger thing than getting a title shot necessarily in wrestling. Having the title match in wrestling and winning the championship is bigger than being fired. Mm-hmm. Being fired and then winning a t- then being a, getting a title match in my book, um, yeah. and it just felt like this match was only ever really about that one small 
it was only ever really about whether or not Riddle was going to win. It was never really if Sami Zayn's going to join the bloodline. It was never really yeah. about if Riddle's going to leave SmackDown. The only real thing on the table was the title shot, and that was all that was ever really being played out in the match. Still, Riddle versus Zayn, a lot of fun. I really like them too. I really want to see them work together more. That was great. Yeah, yeah. I, it was just one of those uh, one of those combinations <clears throat> where I don't really know why, but when I saw it, I was like, "Ooh, that's fun." I hadn't, I hadn't thought of Sami Zayn and Riddle yet. You know, it's just it wasn't a a combination that we really have gotten to this point. Mm. And it's it's nice, it's fresh. And when you get like a nice fresh match with two guys that haven't wrestled before, and they do it in the main event, and they give them like 15, 20 minutes, and you don't have a lousy finish, this is about as good a SmackDown main event as I can recall seeing in like a long time. Because even mm-hmm. like the good ones that we've gotten recently, whether it's the Usos and RK Bro, they all end with like some crap finish and makes me just end the show going, oh man. But this one was really, really solid. You know, you had Paul Heyman on commentary, who I thought was adding a lot, who every mm-hmm. time Sami Zayn would do anything, he'd hit a move. Even if, if Sami Zayn would hit a move, cover him, and Riddle would kick out, Paul Heyman would still be upset, just being like, cover him again. You could be doing more. And I was like, mm-hmm. such a good manager. Like, even when you think Sami Zayn would have done enough, like he hit his move and he went for a cover, that would be where most of these things stop. Paul Heyman still wants more. It just like, it makes me believe that there would be a reason for wrestlers to want him as a manager. Yes. It would make me believe that you would want his expertise. You'd want him as your wise man. And I like that. I really like this match. I really, really thought this was like, kind of saved the show. You know, we had some mm-hmm. good stuff here, and mostly I was just kind of distracted by the pacing to this point, but this was like a really good main event of SmackDown, and we got Riddle eventually uh, hitting the RKO on Sami Zayn, a really nice RKO, too. It was really quick, you know, and mm. and he got the pin, and then after the match, uh, the Usos attacked Riddle from behind, and then he went off the air with him saying that it wasn't over, and that was SmackDown, so... I think uh, I think it's pretty clear that Roman Reigns probably won't be losing the title to Riddle. But yes. with that no longer on Money in the Bank, they will be having their Universal title match on SmackDown next week. Will that match have a finish? I don't know. Maybe that match will build to something closer to Money in the Bank. Whenever Roman's not on pay-per-view, they seem to just shoot the, the pay-per-view match like the SmackDown before and just go, nah, there you go. Yeah, and then that yeah I think this is, all, this is... We're all on the road to Randy Orton, right? Like, it's not... Right. This is all the you know this whole Sami Zayn uh, riddle match yeah. was laced with everyone using vintage Orton uh, the yeah. whole way through. So like the the I feel that signs are there and Riddle is just a stepping stone on the way there for building that storyline when he eventually comes across. But yeah, I, I just yeah I really enjoyed the match. I like the fact that there was yeah. no interference. Um, I like the fact that it, they were just allowed to go for twenty minutes. I like the fact it had a clean finish. I loved all of that, apart from the packaging. Because when you package yeah. it the other way, it actually needs shenanigans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because of the way they packaged it, it needed right. the Usos to come and interfere, and they didn't. And it, then they come right. out at the end, and you're like, well, you've come out at the end when he's already won the opportunity won. to face Roman. He's <laughs> like, you could have stopped him doing that and then just been to like yeah. Sammy, like, oh, no, sorry, mate. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Literally giving him the chance. No, you see, it's... They did it because Ro- they believe Roman can beat Riddle, but they don't want Sammy in the bloodline. Mm. I think that, yeah, I think that too, but I think that was never made explicit. Because yeah, yeah, I also don't before, think that's like, the case. 
That, I think no, I think that is completely what they think is happening. Well, yeah, but they never, we never saw the Usos interact with Heyman before the right. match to to kind of clear that up, which yeah. absolutely should have been a thing. Like one moment yeah. between them where Heyman's, you know, even just as Sammy's going through the curtain and Heyman goes like, um, mm. no, no. yeah, Heyman says, Heyman says to Heyman just says to Sammy, yeah, like I'll be able to advocate for you being in the bloodline. And he turns around into the Usos and they're like, uh, what? And he's like, well, are you not going to help him? And they're like, no. And then you're just like, okay, cool. That whole story's yeah. told then. Yeah. I, I Literally, you replace the Madcap Moss segment with that, and you make this match like 10 times more cohesive. Tempest, the, the Madcap Moss thing is imperative to the structure of the show. <gasps> that is, that is the, it's the keystone holding the entire show up. Take that out I, and it all falls apart. The crazy thing is I don't, I don't disagree with that. <laughs> They're so dead set on this Happy Corbin thing. Anyway, I've, I've talked enough about SmackDown. I've had enough of that nonsense. So with that, let us get into the actual fun show. Whoa, that's not the right one. That's the one. We're not sponsored today. It's Rampage. It's Rampage, baby. Baby. So I think this was like the quickest uh, from like second one of the show to the start of the first match, I think this was like the fastest ever. Yeah, because they were already on the second bell by that point. Yeah. It just went ding, ding. It, it was like they'd already, obviously one ding had happened off screen. Sometimes we're lucky enough to get like, they're both in the ring, but here's participant number one and participant mm. number two. And sometimes we don't. Sometimes it's just, then they're in the ring and we're going. And sometimes mm -hmm. it's, and they're in the ring and we're on the second bell and we're going already. So, the, the show opened with Eddie Kingston and Jake Hager. I did I absolutely did not accidentally call him Jack Swagger in my review this last night. <laughs> He's not been Jack Swagger in five years. And, it's been a and long just, time. You know, Eddie Kingston versus Jack Swagger was the opener. And you know what? It still kind of is Jack Swagger. Because I'll be honest, I've never seen this man's wrestling style change from the transition mm. to WWE to AEW. And I do kind of think that Jake Hager is among the more boring people on the AEW roster. So I didn't have as much interest in this Eddie Kingston, Jake Hager match as I thought I could have, especially mm. considering this is the first singles match that Eddie Kingston has had since he walked out on double or nothing with a gas can in his hand. I thought this next match was going to be something Absolutely ludicrous, but no, it was just kind of like it was a solid match. Jake Hager hit his his suplexes and he hit his Vader bomb, and Eddie Kingston managed to, to hit a power bomb and hit two spinning back fists for the win. It was like it was a solid opener, but I just really don't care about Jake Hager. There's 11 people in this little program, and he's my least favorite among them. So I don't think you need to care about Hager. I think. I think Hager did what he needed to do here, which is take yeah. a loss to Eddie Kingston. Because I think Hager, while not necessarily the most enticing or exciting talent on the roster, he's a big guy. And there is there is something about beating Jake Hager, I think. There that you know, like he's not it's not the same as uh toppling Chris Jericho or someone like that. You know, like it's not it's not a big name for Eddie Kingston to do, but it's another win to put under Eddie sure. Kingston's belt here uh, that feels meaningful without it just being like, you know, equally this could have been somebody like Danhausen, you know, like mm. somebody who 
it, you would just be like JK, you'd just be like Eddie Kingston will win that easily. Like this, it, this is a match just to give Kingston a little bit of heat, but it just has that little bit more meaning because Hager does have the kind of the aura of a tough guy, like a mm. like quite a tough bit of competition. Partly because of his size and partly because of the way he's been sort of always kind of cast as the enforcer kind of character. So like, I do think it is meaningful for Kingston to have beaten Hager. Obviously, in that you get a pretty bog standard match between two people. But yeah. I think yeah, the prestige of beating him is is the right level of prestige that they wanted to give Kingston at the time. Yeah, I think that is just kind of the situation. I think you've hit the nail right on the head. And that's why I'm not like, you know, if this was the main event, if they'd spent time building up to this, I'd be like, what are you wasting your time on? But if it's a match that you set up on Dynamite that you'd have as the opener on Rampage, like it's not the biggest deal in the world to get worked up over. I just, Mm -hmm. I, I, I think both things can be true. I think that beating Jake Hager is like more visually impressive for Eddie Kingston than if he beat Angelo Parker or Matt Menard or, or whoever. But that being said, I think both of those matches would have been better. Yes. And that is, that is just a personal thing for me. Uh, there's a bunch of Canadian geese that have decided to start honking directly outside my window. You don't just call That's, them geese where yeah. you're from. We do. We do. Uh, it's, you know, I got to translate for the others, the others yeah. that aren't as, as familiar. But uh, we have but, them yeah. here, and we just call them geese. <laughs> Why'd you steal our geese? Well, they keep coming and landing in our ponds. <laughs> That's their choice. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, yeah, I, I just didn't. I didn't get a whole lot out of this match. For me, like when I'm, I know I'm not every fan, but mm. when I watch rampage in particular like the thing that i'm looking forward to seeing the match is hopefully like good matches like really strong competitive good matches and everything and i just don't i don't like jake hager that's just me personally i just don't like him i don't, I don't like his work you know i don't think he's that interesting or he's that intriguing or that good of a character or anything like that it's just kind of like he's a guy and yeah he played his role as a guy fine here but if uh, if I'm gonna do a review, I'm just gonna say, hey, this match wasn't my cup of tea. Uh, His role fine. is to be tall guy, and he was tall, yeah. guy, but shorter, shorter guy, tall guy, pinned down. <laughs> that's fine. That's sometimes that's all wrestling needs to be. Tempest, you don't need to over. Yeah. You don't need to overcook it. I want to see a a spinoff of Tall Girl called Tall Guy, starring Jake Hager. I don't actually. I think that would probably be the worst movie I'd ever seen. Anyway, <laughs> we had Britt Baker and uh, the whole DMD crew talking about Tony Storm and said that the next uh, AEW World Women's Champion was going to be uh, was going to be someone from Team DMD. And I mean, I wouldn't be upset seeing Jamie Hayter like get a, a TV like World Championship match. I think that would mm-hmm. be like really fun. I do not need to see this belt on Britt Baker like anytime yeah, soon. No, no, I don't no. think that's going to happen. I think it's just a promo, but I saw that and I went, whoa, no, thank you. Not right now. Not right now. They've got, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's so much more to be, there's so many other people to do stuff with that, yeah, it just, yeah. Britt Baker, have your, have your Owen belt. Yeah. You've got a belt. Have that, have that for a while. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we we had the in-ring debut of Satnam Singh. And he teamed with Jay Lethal. 
to take on uh, Davey Vega and Matt Fitchett, indie tag team. I believe they were called like Brute Force on commentary, even though I'd, that's not their tag team name. Uh, but what is there really to say about this match? I don't like it was it was not the debut of Hook by any means. But Satnam Singh came out and My. he was he was tall. He was big. He didn't really mess anything up, but he also looked like he was having his first match. Ex- he didn't. He didn't do anything that exciting. I think is the thing. Yeah. Uh, you're yeah. like yeah. I think like you said, he did. He did exactly what you would do in that situation, which is you get a you get a tag, you spend no more than two three minutes in the ring, you get the pin. However, you yeah. do that. He just didn't do anything that impressive. Really, like he did. A, he did yeah, he did. He did a big. He did a big running crossbody, and then held them up for a double lethal injection, and then lethal gets the pin, and then he picks one. He picks up. He picks up one of them and does sort of like a razor's edge style power bomb, yeah. but also just goes no, don't care. <laughs> so it yeah. was. It just sort of flung them through the air sideways, which you know does look dangerous immensely dangerous um but yeah it just didn't have that thing like i don't know like there's something about big guys where like even if i i always i feel like they always need something more than just a choke slam and a power bomb because yeah like yeah we understand that power bomb from someone being taller is more dangerous is more painful because you are falling further but like I don't know, like people with bigger frames, I just feel like there should be something more impressive that you can kind of do, like some 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 uniqueness to a move set, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what what I had described this as in my edited review is I said this just past the the threshold of like acceptable. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't watch this and say like this is like the most unacceptable match that i've ever seen it wasn't like a five-star match or anything it was just it was a guy having his first match and it was a tag and it just happened to be on tv and it's like the same way that i review a lot of these uh like nxt 2.0 matches where i don't really expect more than like a two out of five match in this situation Mm -hmm. from the people but i expect more than a two out of five match from the show if that makes yeah. sense. Like I expect a better quality of, of product to be on my television screen than what I'm watching, but I don't blame the people directly involved. Cause like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to expect Satnam Singh to do more than this, but I just also wouldn't book him on a, in a match yet. You know what I mean? Like what yeah, are you also, doing next after this? But also because you've got, got yeah. you've got two other shows under this right. one that he could have done this match on yeah. at any point. And then cut, then Turn up on Rampage and had his first Rampage yeah. match, first Dynamite match. Like, who cares? Put him on Dark. Put him on Dark yeah. Elevation. Like, if you, this is what, like, it did. Like, I think, like, I think it's completely fair to say that, like, you know, you expect more from the show than from the the performers in the ring. And I think there are there are other ways to have made this feel a little bit special because this, I think, because of the brevity of Rampage, generally speaking, stuff is just dispensed with. Yeah, it's so expedited. That like you 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 do just sort of lose the meaning of this, and there was no room in this match because of how quick it needed to be to really have much pomp in the entrance, to really have like a build up to Jay Lethal tagging him in. Jay Lethal just like immediately turned around and was like, "All right, then this is happening," mm-hmm. and then it was just squashy squashy. That's all fine. 
but yeah like there was no a little bit of ceremony around this would have made it feel a bit more special and a bit more unique and like drawing it out of the audience i guess here mm. might have made the tag in feel more important than it actually yeah. was and i realized this thinking about it after the fact but where was samoa joe in all of this mm. you know like samoa joe wasn't on tv this week or wasn't i don't think he was on dynamite he may have been in the battle royal or something in my mind it's not there but this Jay lethal samoa joe program i'm kind of been waiting to wrap up for a while and now really starting to feel like we're meandering where it's like <clears throat> what we went through a whole pay-per-view cycle and we're not mm. wrapped up we haven't had a match we haven't had one match in this we've just had beatdowns. so like maybe we could have had joe beat down jay lethal or have the the ring of honor contingent do so i don't know they're they could have done a lot more to make this feel like something it just kind of didn't feel like anything that i was, feel like this is but... it's something they're trying to keep on the very low boil isn't it until yes. ring of honor they decide what they're doing with ring of honor and then it will just transfer over there yeah yeah I don't know. Well, you're, you're right, but it doesn't make me mm. feel better about it. Uh, Dan Hookhausen have golf carts. Um, that cool. That's the they're, thing. They're they're bonding. Yeah, they're bonding. You know what? I believe that Hookhausen would would have more fun bonding with golf carts than Kyle O'Reilly and Von Wagner would have on that one camping trip that you and I reviewed last year. Oh my god! <laughs> they that went into the so woods and worked weird. out. You know what? You're a kind of cool guy. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Do you want to do you some are cool, Kyle. Do you want to lift a tree up? Yeah. <laughs> oh, bonding in wrestling. There's nothing like it. Uh, we got Chris Statlater and Red Velvet. I thought this mm -hmm. match was great. You know, I was yeah. I was watching the whole time. I I thought this match was better than their their tournament match. I thought Red Velvet looked really really good. I thought they had a awesome finish. Like an awesome, I love the the double pump handle, arms through the legs, flip them upside down, catch them into the tombstone spot. Mm. I just think it looks so smooth when you get it right. And Chris Statlander is just awesome. And she managed to transition that into the Friday Night Fever for the win. And then after the match, she was uh, attacked by Kira Hogan. Anna Jay tried to come down and make the save. She didn't really help that much. But Athena then right. came down and she was held off by by the referees and the officials and everything. And it seems like we're either going to be getting the six woman tag team match in the near future, mm -hmm. or we're going to be getting maybe Athena versus red velvet or, or Chris stat versus Kira Hogan or different combinations that I, I keep bringing this up, but someone had a really good idea for AEW to have more women's factions earlier this year. And everything that I said in that video is happening now. And I feel very vindicated about it. Just more combinations of like trios wrestling mm -hmm. each other because like how many more times now have we seen the baddies get on tv because they're together than we would yeah. have if kira hogan was just by herself like we would never see kira hogan she'd have one match thrown in every once in a while where she would probably lose and have very little character work and now she gets to like develop every time that we see her on tv and that is just Oh, it's my favorite thing. I just, I'm so happy now seeing these two that can keep developing characters and their in-ring style and everything. And they don't need to win, but they're on TV regularly now. They feel like bigger stars than they were six months ago. And I like that. I like that a lot. I like that Chris Statlander got the win. 
I think Chris Statlander might be the one to beat uh, Jade Cargill. I think she might have the, the better shot over Athena at the moment. I think, yeah, I think they, they definitely could be considering that turn of events now that mm-hmm. Chris has sort of reached a sort of second level of, like, she's got sort of an, another half-life of of push, I guess, like, in, in and yeah. heat from coming out of the tournament. Um, and, yeah, I think she, like, I think she looked great in this match. I think, I think Red Velvet, like you said, did really well as well. And, like, it did seem very early on that this was going to be a little bit squashy, I thought, mm-hmm. when, like... When she countered the sort of uh, she countered the sneak attack at the beginning with the wicked power slam on the outside, the gorilla press to the apron. It was just like Statlander's powerhouse, yeah. and Red Velvet's going to get uh, seven shades kicked out of her. And then mm-hmm. Red Velvet started firing backbones, being kind of quicker and sneakier, and, and hitting all of her cool stuff. Like it turned into a far more competitive match than I'm expecting. But mm-hmm. Statlander just looks so strong. So yeah, her being I think her being Jade is it could be a really good shout. It, I think Tony Khan might just be weighing up who's more popular. Yeah. You know, in a few months' time, it'll just be like out of Athena, out of Athena and Chris Statlander, he'll just be like whichever one is he thinks is at peak heat, it'll just be like that one. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think that very much could be the, the case. I think I think they might look at it and say, Hey, we want another AEW original to hold a belt right yes. now. So maybe we just go straight to Chris Statlander because she's just awesome. Just awesome. You know, and I, I really love seeing how she has been able to develop. I like her her new her her new look. And I mm-hmm. really like that Red Velvet seems to be, I don't know if more comfortable because she never felt uncomfortable before, but she's kind of hit another gear as a heel where it now that she's just allowed to cheat, she's yeah. just like, you know, able to to unleash so much more right now in her matches than when she would do something maybe a little underhanded and people would start to boo her and not really supposed to boo her in this moment and it makes the match feel a little bit disjointed now it just Mm -hmm. it's perfect you know it just it fits i think this this feud will be kind of i could it could be one of those we're destined to do this forever like chris statlander and red velvet just kind of always have that little bit of history that they know they used to be friends Mm. and They'll go apart and come back together because I really enjoy watching these two work together. Yeah, I think that I think they're really great. They got fantastic chemistry, and yeah, this is yeah, like the, this could have felt like it could have just been any old match, but it and it could have just been a very easy squash on the way to setting up a trios match. You know, like this this was yep. essentially to get to a beatdown angle that sets up probably a trios match. But yeah, they they put a lot into it mm-hmm. to get us there, and I really really like that. Yeah, I did as well. Thought it was a fant- I thought it was the best match on the show to this point. Anyway, uh, we got a video package highlighting the return of Miro, and then we got a promo from my boy, my proud, proud Canadian representative <laughs> Ethan Page, letting us all know that he believes in Ethan Page and he prays to Ethan Page. And I'd like you all to know, that I pray to Ethan Page before before Hockey Night in Canada, but after my Tim Hortons breakfast. There's a long stretch in there. I got to make sure I got time for, for prayer. Uh, and this, of course, this, of course, led to, well, it will lead to the Miro and Ethan Page match that will be going on on Dynamite next week, which I'm very looking forward to. I'm very much looking forward to that. And if, if Ethan Page was wrestling anybody but Miro, I'd probably want him to win. But it's it's hard to but cheer Miro, against. Miro, man. Uh, it's Miro. Like, I want Miro to destroy him. I want Miro to, to eat the whole AEW roster. I want yeah. it. 
I want her to be world champion soon, like soon-ish, but like I want him in the pipeline for world title reigns. He mm. should have one. Uh, but this, of course, led to the main event. Um, we had FTR and Trent taking on Aussie Open and Will Ospreay. Will Ospreay and Aussie Open, of course, making their AEW debuts. I was not expecting Will Ospreay to lose this match, but that is what ended up happening. This was uh, kind of your... It was, uh, yeah, I don't understand that decision at all. Uh, but this was a decent length main event. It was a six-man tag in AEW, so there was lots of near falls and lots of great tags and, and action. And Trent hit a acai moonsault, and he tweaked his knee, and that more or less kind of took him out for most of the rest of the match. I was certain that that was going to play into the finish, but it sure didn't. Yeah. And I... FTR got a lot of really good interaction with Aussie Open. I'd like to see a tag team match between them two. I got to see Dax Harwood take on Will Ospreay for a period in this match. That is a singles match I would like to see on TV very mm. much. You know, and this uh, this match just kept going. They had a lot of uh, good suplexes, and Will Ospreay hit an os cutter for a near fall. He had a 450 splash for a near fall. And eventually, everybody kind of like pairs off, goes to the outside. They're brawling, they're hitting dives and whatnot. And it comes down to Trent, and it comes down to Kyle Fletcher, and I thought for sure that Trent was just going to, you know, maybe eat something, get pinned, hit a move perhaps, and get hit with Will Ospreay's hidden blade and just be like yeah, knocked I out. Thought, yeah. I thought that would be an awesome finish, but no, he just kind of hit uh, he just kind of hit strong zero and and won. And yeah. I'm really perplexed. I mean, I would have guessed all five other people in this match would get the pin before Trent. Yeah, I, th I thought Trent was there to take the pin. Yeah. Nice. And I, I think, to me, this is just, yeah, I, I don't know, like, uh, logically, I don't necessarily understand what this does to... Yeah. Like, I think you've got to imagine NJ, like, Forbidden Door is obviously a joint venture between AEW oh. and New Japan, there is a sect of wrestling fans who are very highly uh, schooled in, in what New Japan is and New Japan's history and who the people who compete on New Japan are. Um, and there are people who aren't. And I think... If you're one of those people, maybe stay tuned to Wrestle Talk later this month for a video that might help you out. Yeah, and I think this... Is, so this is the thing, like, so this this felt like... And like, this is... this will be a damning indictment i think when it comes out of my mouth but this will feel this feels like how wwe would treat a talent from elsewhere um because mm. yeah. i just i think what need, what needs to happen here and i think you know you've got you have the perfect out because united empire are heels mm. you can have them steal the win here in any way you want and that adds that adds some drama going into forbidden door it makes it makes the people from new japan feel like a threat mm. that AEW has to deal with and it makes you want to see the fallout of that i know you can't do that for every match on this card specifically but i think right. in, in in the case of certain people obviously like they'll have people have pre-built stuff in AEW mm -hmm. anyway there are certain people who kind of transcend the nicheness of new japan necessarily in the wrestling world i think in this in this scenario having the the homegrown talent win doesn't make any sense because what now doesn't why would i why do i want to watch will yeah. osprey like if i don't know who will osprey i obviously do know who will osprey is but like 
why would I want to watch Will Ospreay and Aussie Open at Forbidden Door now that I've seen them already lose yeah. clean to to Trent and FTR? Like you've devalued someone who you've literally you've literally spent most of the show saying that Aussie Open are one of the best tag teams in the world that yeah. aren't you know you know not necessarily signed to a major like into a big promotion like AEW or WWE, but they like you said they're one of the best tag teams in the world. You've hyped up Osprey as an IWGP Heavyweight Champion. Um, it just doesn't make any sense yeah. to have them lose in this match because it doesn't add any drama. This is this is, you can draw a big big freaking line under this now because it's solved. Yeah, like, there's no there's nothing like they, they they don't need a match at Forbidden Door to run this back or do anything with it because we've we've done this match now. The win is in the books. Who cares? Feud over. Like yeah. I know that's not how wrestling feuds work, but like you could, you could legitimately just go, "That's done, then. Cool, that's a one-off." Yeah, you know, because <clears throat> trying to think of like, okay, well, what are they actually thinking? What are they planning to do? Mm. You know, because I can't make sense of this. I, Aussie Open and Will Osprey are the faction here. Yeah. Why is the faction losing to the non-faction and being pinned by the one who's very specifically not faction? And who's injured uh, in the match. And injured. And not on TV regularly. And up, isn't being pushed. every way for him to take the pin. And then you were like, nah, uh, uh. Yeah. What? You didn't say the magic word. And I think this is the thing. Like, I, I think also, I think Will Ospreay got some good offense in here. And there was a very brief period where Aussie Open got to do their stuff as well. Yeah. But realistically, the people who looked the best in this match and who were given the time were the AEW lot as well. Like, I, yeah. I don't really think that the, the New Japan guys got a full go at getting to shine here. Because this is the thing, you're selling a pay-per-view yeah. off the fact that, you know, people want to see people from both promotions and you're only necessarily, you're only necessarily yes. trusting, yeah, you're only trusting it to your AEW guys. So, like, yep. why not? And if it's only two weeks as well, why not have the heels win? Because then you don't have to, you don't, you barely have to vamp because it'll be two weeks, they'll be the match. Uh, see, that's the thing. If we had like six weeks to go, I could probably like forgive this because I'd be like, yeah, there's plenty of time. We'll build something. We don't have time to build anything. You need to have Will Ospreay winning matches now if he's going to be on pay per view. You can't yeah. have him lose his first match. I I I don't I don't get this one. I don't know. Maybe maybe this leads to like a 10-man tag at the pay-per-view where you add Jeff Cobb and Great O'Conn to the other side and you add like Chuck is Chuck hurt? I don't know if Chuck's hurt. Where's Chuck right now? I don't know. Rocky Romero gets added to the other side and like one more I don't know whoever, Ishii or somebody throwing mm. an extra New Japan guy on the other side. And like still not what i would book no you know like if i'm trying to rationalize this in some way to be like well what are they planning that this would make sense and it's got to be something where like this combination of the united empire isn't like their version of the the star presentation Virgin. you know yeah yeah even though to me it is I think this would probably be the trio i would be most excited to see from the united mm. empire I, I love jeff jeff cobb but you know, Great Ocon. Yeah, it, it, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what the point of this was. I'm the dream really scenario here. The dream scenario here for me would have been, like you described, Trent gets in the ring with Fletcher towards the end. 
almost looks like he's about to scoop the victory. Either the injury costs him a second of time, or uh, Dunkzilla or Fletcher just kick yeah. out the leg. Osprey runs in with a tag, hidden blade, picks up the win here. Osprey goes on to have a singles match at Forbidden Door. And you've made enough time and you've built enough time into this match to have a really, really good face-off between FTR and Aussie Open. So you can run that match of Bindor as well. To me, that is that's the dream card that I want to see. I want to see a good long tag team match between Aussie Open and FTR. And I want to see Will Ospreay go have a singles match against somebody yep. really high up the AEW card. And I think, like, your exact scenario right there, I think could have worked perfectly with the story mm. they told in the match because he had an injured knee and his finisher has him land on his knees. So yep. have him hit the strong zero and have him just grab his knee for a second be like, ah, all that weight has just landed on my injury. Ah, in the back of the head. <laughs> yeah. That's it. You need one second to make that happen. And I think that it would make this match, like, so much better in my eyes because I just don't understand the main event, you know? And sometimes yeah. sometimes the finish can just kind of take things down a peg, unfortunately. And to me, this was one mm. of those matches. This was one I of think those it's matches difficult. I think it's difficult as well, because in sort of dream scenarios with these kinds of events, like I think a lot of time, I think I naturally book in my head that the invading force will win a lot of the match, if you know what I mean. Because yes. Because of the way this is, because of the way, obviously, the, the kind of, we're viewing AEW content. NJPW feels like the outsiders coming in and coming over to to win this stuff. So, like, you know, there there might be some sort of one for one trade off somewhere down the line. But like here, it feels like I just want all of the NJPW guys to come over and win their stuff. Yeah, because they're the thing you're not going to get to see lots. Like we're gonna get we're gonna see loads of FTR doing stuff because they're they're on AEW all the time. Like I want to see. I really want to see Aussie Open like yeah. have a good match against people, and I think the best way to build the excitement for for a show where one half of it is a little bit nicher than the other half to the audience you're selling it to, um, it makes sense to to build that as if it is a legitimate thing and a bit of a threat and hype it and like you do that, you especially do that in matches where you have a heel faction yeah. through cheating, just just have them win but cheat <laughs> like. <laughs> Oh yeah. Or just be get... opportunistic. It doesn't have to be a full it doesn't have to be fully breaking the rules, just being super opportunistic and aggressive. And like yeah. you said, like what Osprey sneaking in, taking advantage of Trent's split second of yeah. like being in peril and just nailing him in the back of the head when he's not the legal man. Like that would have been perfect. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's difficult. I think I would <laughs> not care as much about this match if the build to Forbidden Door had not been so thoroughly underwhelming so far. Mm. And now I will give them a bit of a break in that sense that they basically lost a week of TV with this punk injury that mm -hmm. they had to then completely rewrite the main event. I think that's, I think I will give you some, some leeway there. Your, your top champion going down with a serious injury will derail your pay-per-view plans. That's mm -hmm. fine. But that being said, I th I still think we should have had more New Japan stars on the show by this point. Like, it feels like if this was, it feels like if I didn't know any better, if you just popped me down and I watched this week's shows, it feels like they're building to a regular pay-per-view that's just going to have some New Japan guys on it. Mm. Like, it just feels like we're going to have an AEW pay-per-view, but Will Ospreay is going to be on it. And we're going to have a, 
a four-way match with three AEW guys and a New Japan guy. It's like, I want all of it. <laughs> I want the New Japan AEW crossover pay-per-view that we've all kind of been dreaming about. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to sound entitled, just be like, I want my dream matches. But that's kind of what this pay-per-view, the point of this pay-per-view was, you know? And I don't feel yeah. like we're getting that. I'm not getting the vibe of like, this is just going to be a series of dream matches and maybe it will be. But if it is, I think we could have had a little bit more build up the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I think we just need, I think we do just need that like, it's, it's almost like there needs to be an... I know, like, obviously, you don't want it to go crazy and be like, there needs to be an overarching story from mm-hmm. uh, for, for this pay-per-view. But maybe there needs to be some sort of overarching story where, you know, there is just an element of we have agreed that these titles mm-hmm. are on the line and we're putting our titles up against their titles and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. So it's not just like our tag team champions versus their tag team champions, our world champion versus their world champion. It is a case of we can steal their title for a bit and that's what we're going to do. And then it just adds a little bit of a stake to everything and everyone's got a reason for being there beyond just the like the idea that this forbidden door swung open because I think it's so vague, the idea of being like, I can come here now. Why have I? I don't yeah. know. Oh, man. Yeah. Like... You know, why is Riddle going to SmackDown? Yeah, right. exactly. You know, why are they going to AEW? It's just like, well, the door is open now. It like I expected the Forbidden Door to open, and for New Japan stars and AEW stars to kind of like pour through it both ways at the start, like mm-hmm. make it feel like as big a thing as possible. And it feels like the Forbidden Door just kind of opened, and like a couple dudes have just kind of like sauntered through for like two years, like. I don't know. I don't feel like the Forbidden Door has changed right now. And I was expecting to have felt that way with two weeks to go before their pay-per-view. Mm. You know? If I was still feeling this way a month ago when they announced the pay-per-view, that's fine. You still got time. We don't have time anymore. We we need to, like, ramp this up a little bit because I'm... Forbidden Door doesn't feel that special right now. No. And that was a year and a half ago. This would, would have been the biggest wrestling event in my lifetime. Fantasy wise. Mm. Anyway, it would have been the biggest thing I could have ever imagined seeing in wrestling. And now I'm not very hyped about it. And what's that about? That's just, nonsense. I think the thing is, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. I, yeah. I think the thing is it will be good. It will be good, but it's yeah. just, it just doesn't feel like it has any stakes. So I think yeah. sometimes, sometimes the, the brilliant thing about wrestling is that, really good stakes and really good story can elevate a ho-hum match into a great yeah. match. So imagine what it would ha- what would happen if you had a great match with a really good story as well. Yeah. Yeah. And see, this, this is kind of my, my closing point. And again, if I wasn't trying to sound entitled before, I sure will, I sure will now. <laughs> I think everyone's expectations for this pay-per-view are understandably very high. Like, in terms of New Japan, AEW, crossover, should be dream matches. This pay-per-view should be very good. And I think, just being like, the pay-per-view will be good. I think a lot of people are kind of expecting this to be, like, a best pay-per-view ever contender. And I think if it ends up just being good, it'll be disappointing to a lot of people. And that might sound entitled, but again... This is the same discussion we're going to have every time an AEW pay-per-view is just good. 
because they've set a high standard for themselves and maybe they won't always live up to it. Maybe they will. Maybe this will end up being one of the best pay-per-views of all time, but hasn't been one of the best builds of all time yet. So that has me a little mm. bit worried. So I think also, anyway, yeah, I think it's, yeah. it's expect expectations, isn't it? I think it's completely fair to think that when one company's best people, like, mm. you know, if any wrestling company has a, a sort of top percentage echelon five people who are brilliant, mm-hmm. And you go up against another company whose top five people are the other five best people in the world, and you just want to put them together and be like, "That's the show." Yeah, you would expect that to be really good, wouldn't you? Like, and you would mm-hmm. expect that to sort of feel like it was really important if you've got the best wrestlers over this side of the world versus the best wrestlers over this side of the world, who rarely do they meet in the ring for yeah. any reason. Yeah, I, I think that's you've got to make yeah. that feel important. Yeah, I'll also say, because it was brought up in the chat, it's a very good point. New Japan also does have Dominion this weekend, which is like their last, their big mm-hmm. pay-per-view, their double or nothing. So I will, I was not expecting to like see Okada before Dominion, but yeah. hopefully these last two weeks will have a lot more of that. But that being said, I don't know, maybe they booked their pay-per-views all too close together for this <sighs> this cycle, you know? Mm. Because four weeks after Double or Nothing, and then two weeks after Dominion might be might be a little bit tight. But anyway, we've talked I hope they go crazy next week. Them. Next week, I hope they go crazy. The last two weeks, no AEW guys in AEW. Just uh, all Suzuki, Naito, and and it, everybody's gonna come back. Everybody, every every single New Japan star <laughs> is gonna be on the show next week, and we're gonna all look like idiots. And it's gonna be great. Uh, it was a decent episode of Rampage. Go out of your way to see the last two matches. Go and stand the finish, but still a good time. into the rest of the ultra chats let me just check to see if we don't have uh podcast shout outs uh for june because that would come first and we do i don't know if those if you have those uh open in front of you no i do not i have no idea where they are Uh, I don't know if you noticed, Tempest. I'm not on podcasts very much. You've done this before. They don't, they don't like me to talk at length. Uh, I like when you talk at length. Um, but anyway, uh, special shout out, of course, to our Pledge Hammers. If you uh, sign up to our wonderful Patreon, of course, we've got so much content for you on our, our Patreon. You can do free, uh, fan Quizzlemania and watch uh, watch Andy throw together a wonderful quiz every single month. It's literally so much content and there's only going to be more we're adding more and more things to, to patreon as the months go by and we're looking to add more and more stuff from pfk this year there's if there's ever a reason to sign up for patreon now's the time Lori? you get early access to all the cbw at the moment as well if you sign up yeah. now the episode four is live currently uh episode five the final episode of the series will be live 24 hours early next friday uh, and there's also exclusive podcasts and all that stuff about that as well literally so much after dark what you sign up for after dark alone talk about things that shouldn't go on youtube but anyway if you also sign up you also get your own custom wrestling nickname and it gets read out by us on a show like this so thank you to he can last sean for longer than you in the ring yeah yeah starbucks steven costa yeah oh hi 
that Danish mark. Shield maiden, the Zornese. LIW's American muscle, Tyler Gamola. Will, I paid Adam to drink garlic and herb dip on the live stream, Stewart to AEW. Sometimes they're puns, sometimes they're not. Sometimes, sometimes they're not. Insert here to AEW confirmed. Yeah. He ran Aaron Hanrahan. Smitten. (laughs) That's probably how Peter or Luke meant for it to be read, but you know, it's tough. Smitten, Aaron Smith. Yeah. Adam Bowser Bowers. The Baker, Adam Cakebread. And finally, the Machine Gun, Alex. Anderson. Thank you, of course, to all of our wonderful uh, pledge hammers, all of our wonderful donators on Patreon. Thank you to all of the people who have submitted their ultra chats. We have uh, a few left to go through before the end of the show, and this will be the last call. So if you have any of your last thoughts on Rampage or SmackDown, make sure you get them now. Get them in now to uh, WrestleTalk.com forward slash support. So we will wrap things up with the wonderful Adam Pearson. Don't even say, why do WWE insist on diluting their talent? I've seen Ricochet and Walter wrestle at PWG and tear the house down, whereas on SmackDown it was simply meh. Furthermore, what in the name of Davis is a last laugh match? Your guess is as good as mine, Adam. Don't worry, it won't matter. It absolutely won't matter. It, it, they're all the same. They're all the same matches. AO1012 says, Late, but with Reigns on a lighter schedule, building up the IC title with a legitimate champion seems like an obvious path to take. Agreed. If you're not going to have a champion, make one of the other belts look important. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hector Rodriguez says, What was the freaking point of putting a your band from SmackDown stip if he's a raw guy to begin with also? Uh, we make sh- we sure Satnam Singh isn't just the great Kali reincarnated so he could stay in basketball. I swear, if you come from another sport, I mean, other than being Indian, there's really no connection between the two, other than again being tall. But they don't move the same. Like mm. I feel like Satnam Singh is mobile. We've not seen we've not seen enough of <laughs> we've not seen enough really, of him like, to you know anything about yeah. him at the moment. Yeah, it's so like I, there is no comparables for him because we have seen so little of him, you know? I mean, I, I thought, but I also buy the idea that he does, as a tall man, he doesn't yeah. feel unique. But I think that's in the, right. in the whole gamut of big guys. Like he doesn't, that, that there was true. nothing in that. There was nothing in that that said like, his unique take on a big guy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree with that. Um, yeah, man. She, she, she kept playing basketball. The NBA seems like way more fun. <laughs> Uh, Nick Pano says, looks like Tony will fi- uh, finally listen and took Jericho off commentary. Hopefully this stays. Also, thanks for everything y'all do. This podcast and the news videos are my main way of keeping up with WWE and in- introducing me to AEW. So thank you. Thank you, Nick Pano. Thank you. We appreciate your support. And yeah, I don't know where Jericho was for uh, for commentary on this show, but not, not upset. Not upset at all. 
Hector Rodriguez says another sport and can't. Uh, so I think this was linked to the uh, to the Satnam Singh one. Uh, so should have stayed in basketball. I swear, if you come from another sport and can't wrestle, don't even try. It bugs me to my damn core uh, to steal a quote from MJF. These guys are uneducated marks. That's certainly a rant, indeed. I mean, you can try. You can try and coming from another sport, and there's no problem in trying with, you know, trying to wrestle. I don't know yeah, if think... about trying to wrestle on national TV, but I don't give anybody, you know, flack for trying to do this thing. Well, I think this is the thing. It's like you just, how do you know who's going to be good and who isn't? Like, who would have right. expected Pat McAfee to be good? Yeah. Pat McAfee's great at wrestling. Yeah. He, he, he was a football kicker. Though. Yeah. He what, was a kicky man. Would, yeah, he was the kicky man. What made you think, what would make you think that that skill set would, tra- would translate? But it did. So you never know. You never know. Uh, Eternal Blue says, I was there in Kansas City for the Rampage recordings. I will actively apologize for not having much faith in Red Velvet. Holy schmooks, look, that girl can go. She and Statland are damn good wrestlers. Such a stark contrast having uh, after having to watch Shafir on Dynamite. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to talk negatively about Marina Shafir by any means, but I would say that Chris Statlander and Chris Statlander for sure, and I would probably say Red Velvet as well are probably above her as far as workers go. You know, mm. this is a better match than the Thunder Rosa match, I thought. So, yeah, all fine though. All good. I like. I like all of all of the above. I don't need. We think we need to tear one down for the sake of the other, but for the sake of comparisons, I suppose. And Hector Rodriguez says, I wonder what United Empire's uh, purpose for losing here was. Us too. Uh, especially when you have the leader of the faction losing here after hyping him up all episode. Are we sure both AEW and WWE's creative teams weren't replaced by chickens running around with their heads cut off? It's starting to feel more like that recently. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> like little by little. It's not, they're not the same by any means, but it's, eh, it's getting closer. You can and, have, uh, there's going to be misses across the board, isn't there? Like, yeah. especially when you've got one person's yeah. taste doing it. And, you know, also like when you, when you've been doing, I guess when you've been doing a show for a couple of years now, like you're going to start wanting to do things a different way, even though yeah. I think wrestling fans quite often are satisfied by seeing the same thing, the same patterns repeating on a sort of five year cycle. Like, you know, mm. yeah. Yeah, very much. And I, I think I think the introduction of AEW has just been like a lot of people breaking that cycle, you mm-hmm. know, because it's the first like it's the first introduction to something new since like maybe you know the peak of TNA. But that's a long time. And uh Dabble Shaw says, Hey guys, I'm not familiar with New Japan, but Osprey seems charismatic as hell with a great moveset. That being said, who are your top five current wrestlers in terms of movesets? I don't know if I can give a top five on the top of my head uh, at the moment, but Laurie, who do you think has the best move set in wrestling? The best move set in all of wrestling. Uh, It's too hard to do because there's too many different body types and things like that. Like I genuinely think Baron Corbin has the best finisher in all of wrestling. Right. He always comes up in these these conversations. But he doesn't have the best. He's not got the best move set. He's got the best finisher. I think Will Ospreay's got a fantastic move set. I think Keith Lee has a fantastic move set. I think Swerve has a fantastic move set. Like, yeah, there is. I think there are so many people with all different unique styles. I think it's. I think it's more. It's usually more about the way someone carries themselves than it is about their moves, particularly Mm. about the style and the swagger. Like, The Rock is someone who doesn't have the most interesting moveset but it's the way he does right. it all yeah his moveset is like a spine buster an elbow drop yeah 
the punches in the corner, but he's the but he can make yeah. all of that stuff look great, can't he? Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, I'd probably say maybe someone like Pac or something like that. Mm. He's 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 just awesome. And finally, Timothy King has been a member for three months in a row. Oh, well done. And he and he says, going to see Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae in an hour. What should I ask them? Uh, ask them how their day is going, yeah. Ask, and then obviously ask, ask them, them uh, what's happening next. What are you doing now? Yeah. Ask them the specific date that they're both going to show up on Dynamite to fight Adam Cole and Britt Baker. Specifically those two. Ask that question mm-hmm. and get back to us. And with that being said, that will wrap up this edition of the Wrestle Talk podcast. And we will be back on Monday or on uh, Tuesday, rather, with a review of Overall, again, a wonderful program or a wonderful three-hour show. So, of course, make sure that you're checking in for all of our weekly, sh- all of our weekly shows and reviews. And that being said, that will wrap us up. Thank you to everybody who ultra chatted. Thank you to everybody who uh, subscribed to our Patreon and gets their names read out. Thank you to Lori Blake, who was so nice to fill in for that that dastardly Pete. Uh, and as if I can find Damn. the outro, which I I never seem to be able to do, we will bid you adieu. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.